Welcome to the Dream Plan Start Grow Show, where the goal is to provide you tips and tools to create and execute your business plan for success. Welcome to the Dream Plan Start Grow Show. My name is Allison Turner. I started these interviews because I love entrepreneurship. I believe we can learn from each other. Whether you're brand new to business, want to start a business, or a seasoned entrepreneur, check out the Dream Plan Start Grow show and level up your life and business. Today, I'm honored to have with me Rich Trigger Bontrager, who is a TV host and virtual stage media coach at Rock the Stage Media. So thank you for joining me today. Great to be here. Always excited to see what happens in these live events. <laughs> yeah. yeah, except I'm not going live on this. I am recording this. So I'm choosing not the live version right now. But, um, you know, you and I connected on LinkedIn and I like mm-hmm. some of your, I watch some of the videos and I like what you're doing. So, and I see you've had this company for like 19 years, or at least that's what LinkedIn says to me. So uh, how did you get into this space? Because you got into it probably before it was cool to get into it. Yeah, no, I, uh, I've, I've been a professional broadcaster now for 36 years. Uh, and so I've been on stage, mic, camera, all my career has been this business of broadcasting slash media. Um, so then I, I began to get into stage presentation with all the keynotes and all the traveling I was doing. I saw a lot of people not doing well on stage, not as well as they could. <laughs> I began to coach stage presentation. Pandemic comes and I began to teach media presentation because now this is your stage. And yeah. it's amazing how similar but different they are. And people don't realize the vast difference. So I spent time coaching and presenting now to help other people rock the stage. No, that's great. I mean, I love how you shifted when the pandemic hit. Obviously, you had to shift because there were no stages at the time. So <laughs> I love how you shifted to that virtual side because people who were successful made that shift. And then you have a built-in clientele because now they're having to go on zoom or go on a platform like this or StreamYard or the one you use, you know, and figure out how to do what they do, but virtually. Yes. And there was so much that they thought the natural stage would bring over. And they found out this is a different beast and I have no idea what I'm doing. And the calls came in faster and faster of, I need help. And yeah, I mean, now I'm doing it I no mean, matter what. This is a great way to make a living, help people, and amplify what I do. Right. Well, and you can touch a lot more people, I suspect, yeah. virtually than you can in person training, you know, depending well, think on what you're doing. There are no bad airport lines now for me. I can be in any part of the world several times a day. So I can be in Canada, Australia, the UK, all in one day and be home for dinner. Um, There's no bad hotel experience. I'm not going to lose my luggage. But yes, I can touch a larger reach than ever before. And I'm saving money to do it. I don't have to show all the money to get out there now. I'm right here. Yeah, exactly. So I make more money and spend less money and... Life's good, <laughs> you know. There's that's been a shift in the ballot budget. Yes, there's a little shift in the ballot budget. But again, that's another thing to teach people is there are trade-offs. And right. the live in-person stage is coming back. But even that has changed yeah. from pre-pandemic yeah. numbers. So everything is changing. And there's going to be a trade-off in everything now. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. One of the people I follow as a mentor, he used to do these huge events out in LA. He moved to Texas in the middle of the pandemic. So his Texas numbers, because he's not as well known in Texas, and some people, you know, he has a following over the country, but a large part of it was in LA. And so even when he went and did an LA event, the numbers were much smaller because he was getting, you know, like three, four, 500 people, you know, because they have the big spaces out there that he could do. And now he actually has made that shift intentionally to that smaller, you know, 80 to 100, because now you have that a little bit more personal touch and you can actually speak to people. You can interact with people, you know, as opposed to just you standing on a stage or, you know, with the other speakers talking to people, talking at people. And that's a massive shift. And I don't think it's ever going to go back to the other way. I think the days of the three, 5,000, just massive events, I think they're gone. Um, there, there'll be select ones, don't get me wrong. But from what I'm hearing from event runners and speakers is two to 500 is the new comfort zone. Because you're absolutely right. The intimacy, um, you just do more. And it's people want to get to know you. They want to feel like they've actually had an experience, not just a massive coliseum full of people. Again, the right. world has changed in a much more personal, interactive world. Yeah. I think Tony Robbins is still doing his massive events from what I hear. But yeah, you <laughs> but know, <laughs> with the exception of him, I haven't heard other people. Um, I know he was just down here somewhere. So in, in Florida. So um, I heard that was a large event. I don't know how big it was. But, you know, other than well, that. Well, well, even Tony has adapted to the virtual stage now, oh, as yeah. I call it. He's had a 360 experience virtually. He's done other things. He has brought the camera lens more in than ever before. So he's blending the two universes. And that's one of the things, the hybrid stage is really the new, new, new stage. That's what we really have to learn. How to be in person with a live crowd, how to bring the media TV aspect in and talk to both audiences as as if they're one seamless audience. (laughs) And there's a whole new trick to that that I coach, but that is a new frontier for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's not an easy frontier. I mean, I'm sure that the teachers probably were the first to do that, right? When the schools went like, you could either go in person or you could go virtual. And now the teachers have to figure out how to like hit both audiences, you know, whether it was at the same time or record videos or whatever the heck they had to do to manage their classroom. Well, um, yeah. And, and the teachers had to learn real quickly because they thought yeah. if I just talked to the kids in the classroom, the kids on video would naturally pay attention instead of playing Nintendo down below or two other things. Exactly. <laughs> they, out they had to learn new skills. And it is in my paradigm, you have to literally focus more on the virtual than you do in the in-person because the in-person is there. They'll naturally hear you. If you're speaking at an event, there's always the jumbotron. They'll always catch you anyway. Right. So now you have to bring in the other audience. So you have to talk to them, call them by name. Uh, you have to really lean into the camera because the in-person's already looking at the jumbo trim anyways. It's right. a new shift of thinking media-minded first and then the in-person second. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you what would you say for someone to help them make that shift? Because I think, you know, marketing, I mean, I'm a marketer and a business coach. I mean, but from the marketing standpoint, obviously video and reaching more people and the ability to reach a larger audience now with, you know, the live streaming softwares that are out there, the, you know, this type of platform, all those types of things are huge. And I mean, I still have clients that are like, oh, I don't want to be on video, you know, and I was that way just, you know, probably three years ago, I was like, oh, 
you know, I started this podcast in 2020 and it was just me speaking on a microphone. It was, that was mm -hmm. it. Cause I saw the opportunity of people needing to, you know, potentially start new businesses once that pandemic hit. And so I was like, Oh, let me just talk for 10 minutes on this, this microphone. And that was it. And I was like, no way I'm going on video. <laughs> yeah, so, but then I joined Toastmasters and I'm like, then I got more confident and, right. you know, and in speaking, but I think so many people are still gun shy. I mean, marketing is such a huge tool and it's been a huge tool for many years, but now it's even bigger because you can reach such a bigger audience. So I heard that over and over from the clients that early called me and they said, you make it look so easy. It looks so much fun for you. And I said, dude, just back it up again. I have over 30 plus years experience, not training, experience doing this. Yeah. So back off. You're not going to get here right away. Let's <laughs> just admit that. And for a lot of them, that was great to admit that. They thought somehow right. you magically automatically did it. But there is a mental shift. The, the mental yeah. shift is now media matters. And it media matters in everyone's business. I don't care what business you're in. Media now matters more than ever. You are the brand authority, not the thing you mm -hmm. sell, not the thing you talk about. You are the media brand authority. So I coach media savvy skills, help you learn how to do what we're talking about. But the thing is, number one fear in all the world, bigger than dying, is stage speaking. So yep. we've had that fear forever. <laughs> no one wants a microphone in front of their mouth, and they don't want people sitting in front of them, okay? They just don't want to have that combination. Now we've added that green light in front of you, and people are like, hi, it's so good to be here with you. <laughs> um, very excited. And they, they don't know what to do because the light is freaking them out. I don't care where the light is. I don't care where the microphone is. I'm just right. here having a conversation with you. And that's what I coach people to just, you get it set up, you practice, learn what things are at. And after that, you just flow with it. You get into right. it and you learn how to use these media skills to pop off and have a great time. But that's a big leap for most people. So you weren't the only one that went through that, by the way, just, just so you understand that, Allison. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and we have a video production studio here in my office and it's funny. I filmed my, so my fiance is my video producer. And so I, he filmed me maybe six years ago. This is earlier on in our relationship. And, you know, and I had the teleprompter set up, you know, all this stuff. And literally the only, I think I was seen at the very beginning of the video and then maybe at the end and then in between, he's putting all these special effects in the, to edit me out of the video, because you know, I'm still, my voice is still there. The message right. is still there, but I, whatever I was doing, cause I was so nervous and it was him. Oh. So it wasn't even like, you know, Joe video producer, you don't know that is like, Oh, is he judging me? You know, it was him. And, uh, I was like, oh, so, yeah, I mean, I think you have to make that leap. And if you need assistance, you know, hire someone like yourself, go to Toastmasters, you know, the more you can do it, yeah, you know, oh. the easier it gets. And you're not going to be your level, like you said. It's not going to be like, oh, I'm going to go from here to here, even probably in a year because you've no, got all no. that experience. Repetition is where you get it. It's just like in baseball. The, the, the more times at bat, the better you are going to get now you are going to swing and miss more than you're going to hit the home run. Let's just admit that. Same thing with this. But there are skills or our best practices that you can learn to start building that up. I mean, yeah. eye contact is the number one thing that people want. Right. When, when you're watching the nightly news, when you're watching a 60-minute interview, whatever it is, they have eye contact. Yeah. And you have to fall in love with the camera. I coach people, that's your girlfriend, that's your boyfriend, that's, you know, that's your child. Right. Um, 
you need to fall in love with the camera and really think, you know what, we're going to have a good time here tonight. You know, I'm, I'm going to make you smile. I'm going to make you laugh. <laughs> and you'll have a look at the camera. You're like, you're looking directly, which means even when I'm talking to you right now, Allison, I'm really not looking at you partly with peripheral vision and other things, but I'm talking to a camera that represents right. That's a yep. whole new mind deal right up there. That's, that's a oh, whole new thing to learn. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we got accustomed to Zoom for the last, you know, two or three years or whatever it's been now, you know, where people either forget to look at the camera because, you know, they're looking at all the people in the boxes. Yeah. And then, you know, when it's your turn to speak, you, you're like, oh, yeah, where's the, you know, where's the camera? Like, <laughs> is it up, down? Like, where is it? And, um, you know, but otherwise they're like typing away over here or, you know, sending an email or checking their email or whatever, you know, checking social media as opposed to actually in being engaged. So that speaker, whoever is speaking is so important because you have to, you know, you have to be engaging enough yes. to get someone like me that's sitting there in this box to be like, oh, let me just go check my email right now. <laughs> so you just use one of those other words that you have to get around. People think the box is tiny and small. A lot of the people that I talked to were keynote speakers. They've been on stage. So they sat down like we are right now, and they would call me up and say, this is so tiny. I, I feel like I'm just stuck in a tiny little box, and I don't know what to do. And I would tell them, stand up. And they would laugh and say, why do you want me to stand I said, just stand up, adjust the microphone, adjust the camera, and just right. talk to me. We kept talking, kept talking. I was coaching, giving them points. And every time I told them to stand up, 100% of the time, they stopped me, interrupted me, and said, what just changed? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? I would play stupid right. for a while and egg them on. They're like, what changed? I, I feel like this is fun now. Yeah. And I said, you're back on stage. Your mind has been on stage for so long. The minute you sat down, you gave up the stage. The minute you stood up, your body got back into stage performance. And they went, that's the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. Sitting down was the dumbest thing I've ever. So every time I do a keynote, everything I'm coaching and presenting, I'll stand up. Okay. So the physicality of what we do and how we do it through this camera is very important. Yeah. Most of us are not used to sitting down and having a dynamic conversation in our chairs. Right. We sit there and fold our hands and say, hi, how's it going? Or we fiddle with our hands because we're nervous as all get out. Yeah, like what do we do with these things, you know? But the <laughs> like, other thing is when you stand up, you naturally get into full body presentation and it's a different energy. Why would we ever give that up? Mm -hmm. Right. No, I mean, that makes sense. So I want to backtrack a little bit and go back to kind of the earlier part of your journey. So yeah. how did you decide to get into broadcasting? Because part of what I like to share on this uh, in these interviews is how someone got their start and what they do and kind of some of the challenges and successes early on. And then, you know, the journey here, you know, here you are today, which we just talked about. Yeah. So I, I grew up in Indiana. Uh, oh, so <laughs> you and I both grew up in Indiana. So there was, when I grew up, basketball was king. Purdue <laughs> university had a great head coach, Gene Katie. Yeah. Notre Dame had Digger Phelps. In Indiana had Bobby Knight. Hey, Bobby Knight. Come on. <laughs> so a lot of my Sundays were like basketball marathon. There was always a good game. So I naturally fell in love with sports. I'm not a tall guy. I love to play. And then I got involved with baseball. Uh, and I love baseball. And I would listen to Harry Carey and Cubs baseball on the radio in my bed when my parents told me to go to sleep. <laughs> and yeah. they would come up and rip the radio away and give it back to me every other day. 
So I fell in love with the idea of painting word pictures. You could feel the breeze. You could smell the popcorn. You knew how the batter was leaning in, what the pitch was coming. You know, even with basketball, you knew the slam dunk, the spin move, the long rim shot. And I fell in love with, I want to do that. I want to actually paint pictures and word stories for people to see it through my mind's eye. And that was my passion growing up. Knowing that I had a stutter that was horrible and I couldn't even ask a girl out. I wanted to be a professional broadcaster. So my journey was do what everyone says you can't do. Defy the odds, overcome it. Got in the broadcast school. My broadcast uh, professor said, you have a great voice, wonderful voice, but no one's going to hire you because you stutter. <laughs> and they were absolutely right. He was absolutely right. To right. this day, we still laugh about this because he, he, he was committed to say, I'm going to let you get a degree in this and go forward and you're going to go nowhere. And right. we found out I can't do hard news. I can't do someone else's hmm. script like we were talking about earlier. Um, I don't do the teleprompter. I'm ad lib. I am off the cuff. Yeah. I am notes. I got into sports work, sports play that play like I dreamed of. And I found out I could ad lib. I could go yeah. wherever the story went in the moment. And when that totally unlocked my world, even my college professor says, now I was dead wrong. You're really good at this. So that was one of those things. I had a passion and desire and people said, no, no, no. And I found my own way around it without any professional coaching. I found my way to get around it. But how did you know? Obviously, that would have been, I'm assuming, in your 20s when you started this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. like, but how, you know, because I think so many business owners, when they first start, that one of the biggest challenges is the mindset and how you believe that you can get around whatever that obstacle is, in your case, mm -hmm. the stuttering. So how did you like what helped you kind of conquer that? There, there was a couple of things. I have a amazing dream fantasy mind. Um, so I literally would talk to my army toys, my GI Joes, my Batman super action figures. My parents told me a story recently. And I totally forgot about this. And I would set them up and I would talk to them and present to them. <laughs> so I actually taught myself how to be in front of a crowd, how to do this. That was one of the things. Um, and then literally a girlfriend uh, told me one time we were on a date and I was going to ask her out for some special event. And I was stuttering all the way through, stuttering horribly. And she's like, just calm down. Just calm down. Why are you? So you know, I'm going to eventually say yes. I'm just screwing with you right now. And, <laughs> and she said, you just need to relax and be you and already know the yes is there because we already like you and believe in you. And literally that moment, the whole tension of having to perform, having to have it happen, having the fortune, yeah. she took it all away. And it really did change it all from, I've already got it. Just step into it. Yeah. And those are the mindset shifts for me right. that really made my journey possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that belief mm -hmm. that you were going to accomplish whatever it was, whether it's the broadcasting, the asking her out, you know, that it was already done essentially. Yeah. It yeah, was just, just a matter of like taking the first step to to however to do it <laughs> step into that door step in that place um act as if you belong before you belong sometimes you know that whole fake it to the make it's kind of a slippery slope but sometimes you do have to step into it mm -hmm. one of the other things was i got to uh, when when i was still in college i was working for another company and 
this guy came in every night and he was buying stacks of food. I finally stopped the guy. And I'm like, what do you do for a living? And you are buying food. And I've never seen you before. Um, I'm with ABC sports. I'm the caterer and we're doing the world series. Oh, I talked to him on game seven of the world series. He's there in the early day buying food for game seven at the metronome in the twin city. And he said, how would you like to come and be my guest? Oh, and wow. be in the media trucks with Tim McCarver. And I went <laughs> sold. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. <laughs> he literally got me to come with a media pass, come in early. I never got into the dome. But I sat with the guy who was doing the home plate camera work for the night. And three days later, he was going to travel for the Olympics. I met Tim McCarver, talked with them. They took me into the production truck. I was in the place I wanted to be in the future. Right. Those are things that just pour gasoline on this guy. And this guy goes, well, I'm going to do this. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, I'm a huge sports person. So all those coaches you rattled off in Indiana, because I grew up in Indianapolis. So um and my mother was IU, her father was Purdue. So we had all this <laughs> tension in between. And then I went in Big Ten, but neither one of those schools. I went out of the state, but in the Big Ten. So it's amazing uh, how all those childhood things do stick with you and mold a lot of your future. Mm -hmm. you, you don't even think about it. You don't even realize, but that really was the catalyst for a lot of my stuff. <laughs> so where did you then, once you got into, I'm assuming you went into sports broadcasting then. Yeah. So who did you broadcast for? Uh, I, at that point, I was married and my career took me into Minnesota. Uh, so I was at, uh, which is now a K-Fan station. There's an affiliate network. We were called something else back then, but we was part of the K-Fan network. Um, I, I was a 360 co uh, sports play-by-play -play guy. So I did football, basketball, baseball. Wow. And uh, high school, collegiate, um, semi-pro stuff. Uh, and then I eventually got into uh, Division II football and basketball, and I jumped to Aberdeen, um, North Dakota, uh, South Dakota, sorry. And uh, I was at Aberdeen, and uh, I was doing football and basketball there for a while before I then exited that and rolled on again. Okay. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I think that'd be, I think that'd be a fascinating career. I don't think I've ever really met somebody that's actually done it for a living, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun. You're going to meet a lot of great people. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get to know several who have now gone on the major stars in the sports broadcasting business. I got to know them when they were cutting their teeth in the early days and access mm -hmm. to people and things. And it was fun to see where we were all going and how we helped yeah. each other get there. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I know like Dick Vitale is still broadcasting today and he's in his, what, early 80s. I mean, I went to, so I played tennis growing up. So I played tennis against his daughters back like, you know, years ago because we were both in that national tennis circuit going towards college. And um, so I knew him back then, probably before I knew, you know, I knew him as a father to his two daughters versus the sports you announcer. Dick TV, and, right? You didn't, <laughs> he wasn't. And then Dick I started TV. hearing the announcing and- yeah, I mean, my my mother was watching IU basketball. She's up in Indiana still, and uh, she's like, "Yeah, Dick Vitale's announced." I'm like, "He's still announcing?" I'm like, I'm like he's got to be in his early 80s." So, I'm like, well, Good for and him. the 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 people like Dick Vitale, the the people like Brett Musburger, and you know many of these others uh, that have been around Jim Nance, they love what they do. They absolutely love what they do. This is mm -hmm. it's not a job. This is just an all encompassing right. thing. They just, yeah. it oozes out of their lifeblood. And I've been fortunate to re 
shift my career and keep it going in different ways where it's fun to say, I'm still doing what I love to do, but now I'm also helping other people. There are so many yeah. people wanting to be podcasters, talk show hosts, streaming media people. I now get to give back what I've learned, the good, bad, and the ugly. And I'm having a blast doing it besides still leveraging my own content and my own material. Right, right. So you did the broadcasting side about, what, 17 years? Yeah, about 17, uh, 17 to 20 years. Um, okay. I also overlaid in church ministry as a pastor at the same time. So yeah. it was really fun that as yeah. a church pastor, they, they would call me Pastor Rich, Pastor Trigger. Uh, they would see me at the football game and call me Pastor Rich or going to the broadcast booth. It was all mixed up. So when you go to Walmart, you don't know who they were going to call me. Uh, but it was, just, it was just another one of those things that through everything, I had a status of respected because of church ministry, respected because I was a leader in the community through the sports broadcasting. I got to know mm -hmm. so many people, but they found I was trustworthy because I wasn't just a guy doing one thing. I was a guy doing several things and making an impact. And that's always been something very important to me, no matter where my career has taken me, I want to be an influencer in the community. I mean, I think that's, that, that's awesome because, you know, that community, um, I don't even know what I'm trying to say right now, but, you know, coming into the community, I mean, obviously helps, you know, whether you're marketing yourself and you're not going to call it marketing necessarily, but, you know, it's really the give back to the community, which then comes back to you on the other side. And that's what I've found. I mean, I'm in uh, Delray Beach, Florida. So it's, you know, what, are you on a nonprofit board? Are you, you know, it's not all about like, okay, I'm just doing, I'm coming to office. I'm going back home and that's it. <laughs> you know, no, So, no. you know, it's what are you involved in? How can you give back? How can you benefit others? You know, and then that comes back to you as well. Well, and, and I think that's a big part of the current entrepreneurial leadership phase that we're living. I think a lot of them are realizing they have a platform. I coach them that they have a stage now. How are you going to use that stage, not just for yourself, not just for your company? How are you going to use that stage for the nonprofits, for the education? What are you going to do to better your community because you've been given a stage and a platform that others would die for? Right. So leverage that, not just for the benefit of yourself, but for the betterment of others. And I think we're living in a phase where more and more people are leaning that way. They're trying to figure out how and where to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting, you know, because if you really think about it, we're always on a stage, whether you're actually on a physical stage, you're on Zoom or you're just like walking out your door Yeah, because you're on a stage because people are watching you. They're watching what you're doing. They're watching. It's interesting. I I'm doing this uh, mental toughness challenge right now. And so one of the things one of the tasks I'm doing is live streaming every day for 30 days. And because I found like every time I would. I would put it in my thing to do it. Then I would be like, oh, I don't really have time. So I just push it to the next day. And then what happened? And so I was like, all right, we're going to do this. And, you know, even the people that I call them stalkers, <laughs> but because they don't like anything you do, they don't like it. They don't comment. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I saw your video on blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you didn't like it or, you know, like <laughs> they're like, they're watching. It's just they're not necessarily interacting with you, but they're watching. And so you never know what impact you're making, you know, whether it's live stream, whether it's going out and serving on a nonprofit board or whatever you're doing. You're always on a stage, so to speak. You're just not calling it a stage at the time. I, I figure with as long as I've been doing this, if I don't have a critic speaking up, I'm not doing my job right. <laughs> because somewhere... 
someone's got to have a difference of opinion. Yeah. And if it's all silent all the time, it's like, maybe I'm not being bold enough today. Maybe I'm not just <laughs> like it is. And when, when you do get the other pushback, you know, you're doing something that makes a difference. People are listening right. to you, like you said. And yeah. it's enough that they really want to pick up the phone, write your notes, send you an email. That's good that you're pushing their buttons that much. Right. Right. I mean, it was funny. I was in a, a strategic planning session for a nonprofit board I'm sit on. And we did like this all day thing a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about something about someone that had left a negative review. And I said, you really should reply to this and not to reply to like come back and forth. Just make one reply like they, it was yeah. a couple of years ago. But I'm like, it really should be, you know, just say like, here's the facts. And because whoever made this review you know, it wasn't factual. It wasn't, but instead of doing anything, they just like kind of left it, which I was like, you know, or they, they added, they got five more people to write re positive reviews. That's how they counteracted as opposed yep. to dealing with this one. And I'm like, but negative press is good press. Like, you know, like negative press is like, you know, because that means people are watching what you're doing. So, and then they bring more press to you because now you've replied to this person and said, hey, X, Y, and Z, this is what's really happening. And if they come back, you don't reply again. You're not going to go back and forth with them. Like, but you just make that statement because you, you know, because I always hear, I don't know if you know Grant Cardone and watch, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> he's like, if I don't have any haters, then like I'm doing something wrong, you know, like it's all about the haters. And, you know, and yeah. uh, someone else was who follows him, he's like, I finally got some haters. I, and, uh, you know, <laughs> He's like, I know. I'm like, I'm making an impact now. So, I was taught in broadcast school, any news, good or bad, is news. So you're right. out. Your trick now is to go in and, like you said, jump into the conversation. If if it's skewed negative against you, gently work the conversation back around. Share your other flip side. Get into a little friendly debate. Invite them on your streaming show. If if they're at the point where they really do a point counterpoint show with them, yeah. Leverage it to your full advantage. Don't think it's negative. It's an no. opportunity. Right. Exactly. It's an opportunity to change the story. It's an opportunity yep. to, you know, it's it's all good. It's just a matter of, you know, how you perceive the press. Well, it's how you perceive and how you leverage it and how you utilize it. Yeah. That's, where that, that's where some of the coaching comes in. Okay. Uh, again, most people do not have the training. They don't know how to switch that, flip it, do that. Change there are people like me out there, like a Grant Cardone, knows exactly. He says, we're going to take that and we're going to use that in our next campaign. <laughs> right. Exactly. Instead of deleting it, don't ever delete it. Yeah. Use it. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice because, I mean, especially in the entrepreneurial journey, you know, especially when you're early on in it, I think people take it personally. So, you know, they have whatever, they get a bad review, they get whatever it is. And they take it personally, like, oh, my God, what I do wrong, what I, you know, like, and I did that. And, you know, and I probably still do it a little bit, but I, I know more towards what you're saying now of like, okay, you know, this is the opportunity, but I just have to shift my mindset quickly when I'm talking, you know, and, and change it. But I know early on in my career, it was like, oh, my God, you know, and you felt bad for like a day. You know, like It was this whole journey. So, like, what, how do you think? think like people that are newer in business and that maybe aren't, you know, in your space necessarily yet because mm -hmm. um, they need to be, but maybe they're not there yet. Like, how would you say to shift that mindset or shift that, like when you get that negative review or negative comment? Mm 
Number one, don't take it personal. That, that, that's the number one thing. And most of us do. We, we think it's like yeah. literally an attack on us personally, not even our right. company. It's like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. It's someone else's opinion. It's someone else's thought. It was funny when I was a pastor, we were church planning, starting a brand new church from scratch. We intentionally promoted ourselves as the church at the movie theater, and we were going to have loud rock and roll music. <laughs> Another minister was interviewed as we had a full front page. It was a full front page Wednesday coupon day on our new church. <laughs> and me and a concert teacher and, and talking about how wonderful and excited we were about this church. Someone did do a counter interview and said, mm. no, that's wrong. Horribly wrong. This is terrible for our community. And we actually took that as this is exactly why we wanted to be that different. We wanted right. to stand out from the crowd. If yeah. they're hacking on you for your intentional reason of standing out, of being unique, of being a trailblazer, you're going to take those hits all the time. Right. Don't step out and be a trailblazer if you're not ready to take the hits. If right. that's your intention, be ready. Put shields up. Know what's going to happen. Train your team that way, your marketing branch that way, your assistants, that we're going to take hits. But that means we're on the right target. Mm-hmm. And that's a okay. radical mind shift for most people. Because we want to play it safe. We want a very successful yeah. launch. We want to have the doors full of people <laughs> not picketing us. They want to come and go shopping. But if you're going to be different out there, you are going to attract the naysayers. Yeah. No, that's absolutely. <laughs> so how did you make the jump? I know you said you made the jump from broadcasting then to what you do now, which you've done yeah. for the last 19 years. Like what prompted you to make that jump? Um, I saw people struggling and I always knew the media was going to become more of the speaking world. I just knew yeah. that was going to happen. Um, but no one, very few people should I say were, were seeing that coming as fast as it was coming. Um, someone sent me a meme the other day. He said, we're living in the age of the Jetsons. For those of us old enough to remember the Jetsons. Yeah, yeah we are. <laughs> we are living on right now. We're doing Jetsons by doing this interview this way. Um, yeah. So that age was always coming. So I knew we were going to need other skills. Um, I've acted. I've been on stage. I've done mm -hmm. keynote speaking. I knew this would all blend together into kind of a very unique thing. So um, I was trying to get ahead of the curve. I was trying to help other people. Um, I did not know how much the pandemic would accelerate us 10 years ahead of schedule. That's probably <laughs> about how far of a jump we've had in three years of uh, people you know, people would get on. They didn't know where the mute button was. They didn't know how to, you know, flip their camera. Well, I still they see people know. that don't know where things are. I'm like, okay, <laughs> we've been doing this for three years now. Like, how do you not know where that is? <laughs> I mean. And so as we've evolved, and even now, if you are not a student of these platforms, being aware of the new platforms, um, like you said, I use Restream. Mm -hmm. It's going to have a whole new update this past week. It added two new features. There are wonderful yeah. features. You have to now be a constant student of media. Because it is a part of auto mechanics now. <laughs> uh, grocery stores are using this. Everyone is getting online in some way to leverage media, not just your little memes and your posts. Yeah. Kitty cat videos are gone. <laughs> <laughs> we are now the stars of our own shows. Right. And you can be that go-to expert. So that's where I wanted to get into. Uh, I, I saw that. I wanted to coach that. I wanted to prepare people for it. Well, now literally we are like full in throttle it. down that pipeline. <laughs> And it's exploding even faster than this. There are new plans 
TED Talks, for examples, mm -hmm. now has you being in like a hologram at virtual TED Talks. They yeah. put you on a stage. <laughs> I thought it was going to happen maybe a year or two from now. I thought we would have the technology. We're already there for TED Talks. Wow. How long before this, you and I are in a holographic experience in front of a live audience and people think we're really sitting together? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the metaverse, I mean, obviously we can go into the metaverse and a different, yeah. you know, have a whole conference and things in the metaverse. I don't even know what that's going to look like at this point, but. Um, well, it's already happened. I've got, I've, I've, yeah. I've got colleagues doing it. So yeah, really? this is where I saw this coming as a visionary. Mm -hmm. I just did not see how it quickly it would accelerate. So I was coaching, I, I thought at a pretty aggressive rate. It was like, no, now I got to jump way. Yeah. <laughs> you jump five steps ahead yeah, now. Pass me by. Right. And the worst thing to do is be an entrepreneur, as to be a visionary, to be a yeah. forward-thinking person and have it pass you by. Right. Playing right. catch-up is way harder than being a pioneer out front. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the word visionary. So I yeah. want to key on that for a minute because I think some of the challenges in entrepreneurship can be when the person is a visionary and has that huge idea, because oftentimes some of the visionaries I know, it's hard for them to kind of break that down. You know, you have the vision of this in five years or 10 years or whatever it is. And to try and backtrack and actually create those steps is a whole different ball game. I mean, and, yeah. and you know, I kind of, I go in the middle so I can have that, but I can also, I'm still analytical enough that I can know what to do to break it down, but we all want it now. You know, we have right. that big vision. We're like, oh, I need that like right now. And then you get frustrated because it's not showing up right now. And then you just quit, you know? So what would you say from a visionary, since you called yourself a visionary, what has helped you be successful in kind of putting those steps in place. And so you're not like, oh, I need to go faster. I'm not going fast enough. I'm not making it. Being dubbed by other people as a visionary was a very fun thing. I thought, hey, that's cool. Who doesn't yeah. want to be a visionary, right, Allison? Come on. Uh, but then I did find out some of the things you're talking about. Um, I do fly at 30,000 feet above the air. I do see the futuristic landscape. I, I can, just like Walt Disney, I can tell you the sight, the sound, the taste, the design. I see it. Wow. Um, my struggle was that I have enough administrative side that I could start building it out. Okay. And then I had to let my hands go because I'm like, I don't know how to actually paint that. I don't know how to design that. I don't know how this is. So I literally had to learn how to build and assemble teams. Yeah. Uh, I used to coach team heavily in everything I did um, when I was on the stage. Team is the most important thing to build out. You need to know the right people, the right gifts, the, the right location, which seat on the bus you're going to put them. And you have to also know how to manage the authority they have. Can they have full authority, partial authority? Or are they? So as you become a visionary, you get to set that agenda to put the right thing in place. And then you have to vision cast all the time. Your job is not to be in their painting. Uh, I've had friends that have worked on projects with me and they literally have said, what color do you want, Rich? This, this, and this. And I'll doodle on design and they'll say, great, we're going to get the paints. We're going to come back here. We're going to start working on the project. And then they come back and I walk over and I'm grabbing a brush and they yank it out of my hand and say, no, you're not doing that. Right. <laughs> Your job is to tell us what you see. We will do it because we know 
you don't paint like the rest of us. And it, it, it was true. <laughs> it was true. So as a visionary, you need to know your highs right. and your lows and your strengths. And then you need to assemble that team to fill the gaps. Don't try to do it all. Your gifting is one to lead out front. Mm -hmm. Vice versa, when you build their teams, you also need to make sure they understand your job is to not to be out front. Yeah. Your job is to be exactly where I put you because to succeed, we need you here. And sometimes there's a battle there. Yep. If you can do it, Rich, <laughs> why can't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't always work that way. But no. my, yeah, my, my fiance, who's the video producer, he's the creative, like he's an audio engineer and he has these big, I mean, he's into the metaverse and all that. And I mean, I study it enough, but I'm not quite there yet as much as probably he is. And he, you know, he's been trying to launch this TV show for uh, probably longer. And I, you know, I literally started the podcast last year to try and edge him on, like, cause I'm like, okay, I'm going to start yep. this first and uh, still not started, but you know, like he keeps kind of, I'm like, just start. Like, even if it just starts as like an interview, you know, cause he's trying to do it around music and, you know, have a little tonight show feel and things like that. And I'm like, even if you just start, I'm like, and start with like this one component, which someone else has told him too, because sometimes I'm too close to him to, um, you know, he How wants to start with the, the thing, the whole, the thing built out. I'm like, no, don't start. Like, you just need like, start with this and then add this, like in a, you know, once you like perfect this, because he wants to live stream it, you know, then add this and then, you know, like you can build it out and that's okay that you don't start as the whole show. <laughs> you well. You now know a guy that can help him out because I've had to do the iterations. Again, as a visionary, as a entrepreneur, you will have iterations of your overall dream. You, right. you, very few say here and here's the ultimate dream. No, we all shift and shift and shift and adapt. Um, regardless of what your business is, if, if you're not living, if you're not morphing and changing, yeah. you're dying. Right. Stagnant, agree. Being stagnant in any business will kill your business. So even with the media side, the marketing side, whatever it is, you have to keep changing it up. It's part yeah. of the nature of the beast. Yes, no, that's it's absolutely. And I think you know the big thing with entrepreneurship is just like get started. I mean, it's yes. like you know because now, and he knows this. You know, content people want. You know, not to say they don't want quality content. I'm not saying that, but you know, it doesn't have to be perfectly edited or perfectly, you know, I mean, obviously you want good lighting, you want good sound, you want, mm -hmm. you know, quality content, but it doesn't have to be like special effects and this and that. And, you know, it's more about how much content you put out as long as it's the right content. There's a tension growing there, which is very interesting and not going to go too far down a rabbit trail for you, but <laughs> people do want authentic content. Oh, yeah. Not only oh, Hollywood produced. And for a while, people were trying to get that, like you're talking about, the only Hollywood produced look. There's a, a sense of let's be natural. Let's be authentic. And then there is the people that are just like, hey, how's it going today? Great to be here. Uh, you know, <laughs> that, that's, that's not cutting it either. And no. so, you, so you have to have that line. And that's what people and also the volume of content is not as important as having a main thrust every week. And then the micro content, the mini content off of the one you build a plan. Because otherwise, you're going to be creating baby <laughs> content forever. You're, you're going to have babies right. forever. And nobody can sustain that. Nobody. 
No. Um, and so there's a lot of coaching that I do just on that area alone, because you're right, they want content. But what's the feel? What's the purpose? What's all that? Again, like an entrepreneur, it's part of your business plan. What are you doing? Why are you doing yeah. it? Same thing with this media stuff. It's got to yeah. go on your list. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, that's why I tell people when I try and encourage them to do podcasts. So I'm like, so easy these days. I mean, that you can, as long as you have the right equipment, you can do it on your own, like something like this. Or like we offer, I mean, we have a one show that gets filmed here, you know, that's more of a show, but it's more, mm -hmm. you know, centric to Delray Beach. Um, you know, you can do it either way, depending on your budget, time, all that good stuff. But that allows you to create, like you said, like the smaller content. You can create yeah. the reels. You can create the, you know, shorts for YouTube. You can create all those different pieces if you're on TikTok, um, you know, because now you have the longer form content. Now, I, that's one of my challenges. I, I do it some, but I, I need to, like you said, have like that content calendar and, and do it a little bit more consistently um, than I have been doing it. But, you know, you have the content. It's just a matter of then using it because a lot of people don't see the, I shouldn't say they don't see the benefit of podcasting, but they don't see, you know, it's like they want the instantaneous type of thing and really showing a show like this is more long-term. It's not, it's not like you're going to get instant, like, okay, I'm number one. And I mean, some people do, but you know, typically you don't. <laughs> and, but again, that's where you can even use this, chop it up in micro shows. There's just so many ways that, again, this is where media skills come in. Yeah. We've been doing this with movie trailers and, TV commercials forever. Right. And now as entrepreneurs, we're all figuring out how to do it. I yeah. can remember going to companies and looking for sponsors. You don't need to go anywhere. You, you, you have your own show. You can get your own sponsors. You can do all, you are your own media empire. Now you can build your own company. Yeah. That in itself for an entrepreneur right now to put that into ground level planning, marketing was expensive to start with a company. You, you would have a whole line item, just a, how much do you think we could maybe put into this line item and maybe right. spend this year on print, radio, TV? And you always went over budget because it always went higher than you could ever imagine it was going to be. Now you build that into your business plan right here. Yep. We're going to launch a podcast. We're going to do an interview show. We're going to write a book. What are you going to do to leverage this media? And the expense is radically different oh, now than it absolutely. ever was before. Yeah. I mean, I think in all industries, the expense, I mean, cause you don't need to be in magazines. You don't need to be in print. You don't need to be, you can be depending yeah. on what your, your business is. So for some businesses, it's still a good place to be, but you don't have to be there. You know, yeah. you can do it like you said on your own or your company can do it through doing your own marketing and yeah, the expenses much less. <laughs> the, the, the biggest shift is again, going back to what we talked about way at the beginning. You are the brand. And that's right. the biggest shift of entrepreneurship right now because they've thought about creating a product, pushing out, you know, what's going to be the, the thing for Christmas? What's going to be the thing? Go back and think about Colonel Sanders, Kentucky Fried Chicken. The original KFC was built on great chicken, but it was built on the Colonel himself. Yeah. The last couple of years, the tried, they have tried to find a new Colonel the last couple of years. They have tried to find It's failed <laughs> miserably. They've had actors in the costume. They've had other people in the costume. It doesn't oh, work. Lord. They have now just gone back to a voice and the logo, but it's yeah. the Colonel. That's right. the brand authority you're looking for as an entrepreneur today. 
you are the brand authority. You have to be out front and you got to figure all this out because people <laughs> will say, if Allison's not doing it, I don't want to do it with him. Yeah. That's how much control and leverage you have now. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. So as we start to wind down today, I always ask, there's one question I always ask of all my guests, and that is, if someone was wanting to start a business and you had one thing that either you learned along your journey or maybe something that you knew when you first started out that really helped accelerate your path, what would you tell this person that wants to start the business? Don't be afraid to try and start early. Uh, the biggest thing is we overthink and we delay. <laughs> It is. We, we, yeah. We think, I was just talking with my last podcast guest about the same, <laughs> the same thing, overthinking. Yeah. It's just go for it. And yeah. no one's ever done it. No one's ever done it your way. You, you may have the right time and the right product. You may be in the right location. Instead of waiting for someone else to approve you, be that entrepreneur, be that forward thinker and go do it. And the worst thing, no one's going to die. Exactly. You can always rehuddle back up and say, you know what? That wasn't the best way to do that. But we still want to do this. Let's try it this way. There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with doing that. And it's not failure. No. It's beta testing. It's exploring. It's getting out there and showing you have the well with all to go be this leader out there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining me today, Rich. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, maybe they're interested in the media services you offer or just want to learn more about you, what's the best way to reach out? The easiest way is to go to rockstagemedia.com okay. or go to rich at richbontrager.net. Those are the two easiest ways to connect with me. And I still take all my own personal email, by the way. It's me right here. You'll get me. <laughs> That's good. I think that's an important thing. Let's see the brand, personal branding. <laughs> so yes, you're not right, getting you some, someone in the Philippines and you're like, is that how he writes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I was looking at a VA and they're like, oh, we can do your own. We can do your email. I'm like, oh no, you're not touching me in my email. <laughs> I'm very particular on how I phrase things, what's being said, the grammar, the, you know, mm -hmm. all that stuff. I'm like, no. <laughs> yep. Um, so, but thank you for joining me. And Thank you everyone for joining the Dream Plan Start Grow show. I love working with new business owners or those who want to start a business. So if you have any questions for me, please go to dreamplanstartgrow.com and sign up for a complimentary consultation. And again, thank you for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Dream Plan Start Grow podcast with Allison Turner. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Join the Dream Plan Start Grow community by following us on Facebook or Instagram at Dream Plan Start Grow. See you in the next episode.